Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? How you doing, Adam? We're doing it. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. It's a, uh, we're recording late this evening, Monday night, for a change, because we usually, we usually are recording these either early in the morning or we're doing these early in the afternoon. So doing another one of these late Monday night is, uh, is interesting, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm hanging in there as best we as best I possibly can but aren't we all so uh I'm ready I'm ready to do this podcast I'm ready to uh push through for our uh our wonderful listeners if you are new to the program welcome make sure to uh subscribe and leave a five-star review and comment and tell us how much you love the podcast and uh yeah I'm 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 ready to go how about you Adam how uh how was your weekend? How was your Mother's Day? Happy belated Mother's Day to uh, to all the mothers. Yes, indeed. Happy belated Mother's Day. It's nice. I'm doing great. My weekend wa- was fantastic because I Good. didn't have to edit a YouTube video over over the weekend, so I was able to kind of just relax. Nor did you have to edit a podcast. That too. It's really fun whenever that happens. It's just you just get to chill. You don't have to worry about anything. Once you're done with work, you're done with work, and you can just chillax. But I, uh, my dad and I made Mother's Day cards for my mom. So, uh, we, oh, that's we, nice. we did that on Mother's Day and we had a, a Zoom chat with the rest of the family, which was really cool. Uh, actually, that's very nice. It's funny. My cousin's birthday was last Saturday, the 9th. And we had like a surprise. Basically, this is the time we live in. I mean, this is going to be so dated if somebody's listening to this podcast, like, a year or two in the future because <laughs> if there is a future yeah so basically we had like a, a surprise party on zoom where one of her friends set it up as like she's just gonna be talking to her that was the pretenses of the of the zoom meeting and then she came into the into the chat and she saw like 23 people and she's like oh my god you guys <laughs> it was very cool that is very nice yeah so that was really fun that was very very fun Good. So you have another segment, actually. You have a segment, a revival of sorts of a segment yes, from the a, other a, podcast. Yes, a revival segment that we have not done with the new crew of me and Adam, but we have done. We've done every every episode of the podcast with Tim, Brett, and Matt. We have done this segment, and we're going to try it out. So this is one quick question, and for those that need a refresher – I'm going to ask one very generic question. It could be about sports. It could be about life. It could be about anything. And it is opinion-based, and there are no wrong answers. So the one quick question that I have for you, Mr. Castor, and for myself, is one that is very current with the times, and that is when quarantine is lifted, because after today, Governor Cuomo uh, extended our quarantine until June 6th, our mandatory quarantine, which could be lifted if certain areas of New York State meet seven key criteria. Um, if you're curious as to what that criteria is, you can definitely go on to any government website within the state of New York, and they will be perfectly highlighted for you. But the question that I have for you, Mr. Castor, is when we are out of quarantine and we are in phase one and life starts to get back to normal, when life is back to normal, Mr. Castor, what is the first thing that you are going to do? 
Well, the interesting thing is, I believe we've you've asked we've had this question before. We have on the uh, when we had the uh, the mailbag, the mini mailbag at the end of a, one of our other episodes. But for those that obvious that have not listened to that yet, I can say that I think I think what I said on that show was the first thing I was going to do was like eat a slice of pizza, like go out and get some pizza and sit in a restaurant or hug my grandparents or grandma actually but i think now the first thing probably is hang out with my friends probably go over to my friend's house and play video games yeah i think that's a very popular one i think a lot of people are going to be spending a lot of time with their friends after this is over just because family is going to be uh very much on the back burner considering we spent much of the last two months with uh with family and and being with the people that we live in our uh that we're living in our homes with. We've spent a lot of time with him. We've gotten to know each other very, very well here at the uh, here at the Birdsell house. Um, I mean, the first thing that I'm going to do, without a doubt, is just go see my extended family and 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 hang out with them. But maybe on like a less personal level, just go to a bar, <laughs> just go see other people. I mean, I am I I'm very excited when this is going to be over. I I'm hoping and praying that. We are less than a month away from being able to go back out and at least have some sense of normality back. But uh, again, it all comes down to uh, us being responsible. It all comes down to us continuing to stay inside, continuing to wear masks, continuing to wear gloves, keeping six feet apart from each other, and uh, keep doing what we're doing because clearly it is slowing the spread and it is uh, it is working. So that is probably the most important thing that that we can uh, that we can ask for at this uh, this point in time. But the good news is, and this is a nice little segue to uh, talking about news and notes, because of course I am a radio professional. It's late. I know I'm not really going to be going into the deep, 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 deep voice, but it'll be back. I promise. Um, but one of the things that we're going to be talking about in news and notes, there, Mr. Castor. I'm sorry to steal your thunder, but this is just, I'm just I'm on a roll here. Monterol is we're going to be talking about how Major League Baseball, there is a plan for Major League Baseball to come back. There is a plan. There is a plan. This is very exciting. I. It's going to be interesting to see what, what's going to happen with that. But, Bird, if you want to kind of elaborate on this plan for our listeners, then sure. go right ahead. Sure. So basically the owners um, – had a vote today on a plan that would see Major League Baseball opening up 4th of July weekend. The plan tentatively includes teams playing their games in their home stadium, so it's not going to be played at uh, Grapefruit League or any spring training parks or anything like that. They'll be played in their home stadiums, in their home cities. But without fans, players will be tested frequently, Every time they come into the ballpark to make sure they're not showing, showing any any symptoms. And they're going to be very, very cautious with this, as you would obviously expect. Uh, the owners did pass this vote today, so the owners have okayed it. Now it comes down to the players and whether or not they are going to uh, to pass this. But all signs are pointing towards that this is a, a proposal that the players are in favor of. And this is just looking like a sign that... Uh, that the major sports league that I think many people have been looking for in terms of when they're going to come back 
it looks like that it's uh, it's going to happen. Now, uh, there's a lot more worrying signs when it comes to the NHL, when it, when it comes to the NBA, but I think when it comes to Major League Baseball right now, there there is uh, there is some hope, and um, I'm I'm really really excited because I need I need baseball. I know we uh, we left off our last show last week talking about how we had our uh, our fantasy baseball draft, and uh, I'm very happy with my team. So I am really really hoping that we can get uh, baseball underway so I could see my uh, my dynasty in play here. Oh, of course. Of course, it's all about you. My dynasty, yes, my my absolute dynasty. Um, and Adam, there's one. There was another thing that uh, happened over the weekend or last week that we didn't really talk about, but we should be talking about it because it's more sports. And it is the uh, the match part two between uh, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, and they're going to be going up against Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. Well, that's interesting. That should be pretty cool. I mean, I there's definitely somebody else in my house who is more into, into golf than I am. Yes, I, I would expect that your father would be very in tune to this broadcast. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And But still, the concept of athletes crossing boundaries into other sports is always kind of, is always like inherently interesting. You know, imagine if like Giannis were to lace up some skates and play with uh, and play on the Rangers, for example, or have um, Ben Roethlisberger playing for the Pit- playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates, like that sort of thing. It's always kind of interesting, at least to me. I don't know how it is for other people. So, I mean, more grounded. Like you know, we've seen former NFL players really light it up on the golf course. Former athletes in general. I mean, most famously Michael Jordan. He's about as good as he is at golf, as he is at basketball. There we go. That was a tongue twister, but you got it out. That was really hard. I am not a fan. This is We we should never record these at 1030 at night because I swear to God, I cannot say anything. I cannot say anything <laughs> right. <laughs> but this uh, the, the match part two is going to be at uh, Tiger's home course in, uh, in South Florida at uh, Hope Sound. So uh, apparently... Tom Brady has played this course many times. So has Peyton Manning, and of course, so has Phil, and and so has uh, Tiger. Tiger and Phil will be playing the match from the Tiger tees that they have at Hope Sound, and then the uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady will be playing from the tips. But we have the tips here, and then we have the uh, the Tiger tees. Adam, in case you're wondering what the tips are, the tips are what golfers refer to as the back tees. So the tees ah. that are the furthest back, yes. but without being the tiger tees, because the tiger tees versus the tips are going to be much, much, much further back. I mean, that's how you know you've made it when you have to basically put a hand, a limiter on you, and they and they name it after you. Pretty much, but it's going to be a uh, a very exciting, uh, very exciting event right now. Uh, right now, the betting odds for this are have uh, Tiger and Peyton Manning at minus two twenty. Right now, with Phil and with Phil and Tom Brady at plus one seventy five, and I tell you, I kind of like if you're gonna bet on this, which I'm sure people are, because everyone's betting on something these days. Some people are even betting on on Madden Sims on Twitch. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but um, hey, it's fun. It's it's sports. People are desperate, bird. 
it's it's sure something maybe. to waste it's something to waste money on. I'm sure I I have bet on those games too. So I'm the, I'm not one to talk, but um, I would say that I I actually would put money on Phil and Tom Brady at the plus one seventy five. I like those odds a lot. Yeah, actually, the funny thing about the uh, the tips we were talking about that golf terminology. I think at, at the golf course in Port Washington, it's like they call it like the black tees or the ones that yep, are the furthest it's, back. It's, yep, it's the same thing. Black tees, tips, all means the same thing. Yep. And they have the red tees, which are the women's tees. The ladies' tees, exactly. And then I think they there's the whites, white tees also, which are yes. the closest. Oh, really? The white tees are the closest? See, I know in some places the white tees are the... The standard for most places where the way they go with their tees is they have the reds, which are the ladies' tees. Then you have the whites, which are like in the middle. And then you have the blue tees, which are which in some cases would be the tips. So you just have three different tee-off areas. But yes, in some in some places, depending on where you go, they have all different kinds of, of tees. You have, you know, r- the reds, the red tees. You have the white tees, the brown tees, the blue tees, the black tees. So it's good it they have gets, a universal uh, term for that. Well, the only universal thing that there really there is is the red tees are for the ladies. Those are the ladies' tees, and well, the tips. I the, mean, yes, the tips. The tips is universal, and then the red tees are the ladies' tees. That's that's pretty universal too. And for any for any guy that that plays golf out there, they know the they know the rule when it comes to the uh, to the ladies' tees. If you can't hit the ball past the ladies' tees, you got to walk the hole with your pants down. Oh my god, that is just yeah. No, it's been a while since I've actually been on a golf course. Well, you better make sure you hit it past the ladies' tees, there, Mister Caster. Yep, but actually, to go a little off topic, I mean, we when my sister and her boyfriend came over, my dad uh, took out his, uh, I guess it's a chipping, a chipping net that he uh, that he used or a pitching net. Yeah, chipping whatever. net. Chipping net. Mm-hmm. So, my entire family basically took turns <laughs> trying to get the ball into the net. I got it pretty close. Oh so boy! It was a. Uh, I think I had it. Like I had the angle, like I had it straight on, but it was just like a little short. It's hard. It's like golf is one of those sports that looks really like people who are really good at it make it look really easy. But this is true. It's actually very, very hard. I am a uh, not. not I'll, I'll put this as a humble as a humble brag. Uh, I am a uh, I'm a seven handicap. So just put that out there. Bird humble. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> so. In case, in case, are you, do you know what a handicap is, Mr. Caster? Do I need to explain that? Just refresh my memory. Okay. So basically, in, in layman's terms, uh, the handicap is basically what you hit over par. So let's say par is 72. You know what par is, right? Yes. Okay. So let's say par is 72 for the course. Usually, it's not usually just me. You know, it's, for every, it's for the other listeners that might not be into golf. Of course, of course, but I'm just making sure that you understand so that way, you know, if you're understanding, then I'm sure our wonderful listeners are understanding as well. So basically, you know how par, par for most courses, we're talking like 71 or 72. And the handicap is basically on average what you hit over par. And I'm ba- I'm a seven. So basically, I when I go out and I play, I usually hit seven over par. So I'm usually batting around like 78 to 81 when I, when I go out and play. Anything over that is a disgrace. Well, that's very good, though. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, you're not like you're not. A, I mean, if it was like professional golfer, they'd probably be like committing seppuku on the course if they hit a seven over par. <laughs> yes, they would. Yes, they would. I mean, another another humble brag, but uh, 
you, you of course know uh, Beth Page Black, which is right in our in our backyard, right here on the right here on the island. One of the uh, the pro courses that the pros come and play has been in two U.S. Opens and just hosted uh, the PGA Championship, and is going to be hosting the Ryder Cup in uh, in a few years. The first time I played that course, I played that, I've played that course a handful of times. But the first time I played it, I shot an 83, which was 11 over par, which I was very, very happy with. Yeah, that course is very hilly. Going, it is very hilly. Going I, by I, what I, I, I remember I got to the last. So for those that don't know, and you better keep this in because this is just quality content. So basically the layout of Beth Page, Adam is right. It is very, very, very hilly. My dad wakes but, up at like 4 in the morning to go online to get a tea time for Beth oh, Page Black. Oh, See, see what what me and my dad did the first time we played it was we got there at three thirty and you have to wait in the parking lot. Yeah, and they they come around at like six before the clubhouse opens or as the clubhouse is about to open, and they give you your ticket when you can come up and you know get your tee time for whatever course you're gonna play. And we did that and we got like a seven, like it was one of the first tee times of the morning. It had to have been like a seven twenty something. And we got out, you know, I, I, I roped my tee shot off of off the first tee, which if you know anything about Beth Page, it's you have a whole row of people that look behind you as you're teeing off. And everyone's looking at you because they want to see, you know, who are they playing behind? They want to see, you know, who if anybody's good, you know, if anybody if you skull your first tee shot, everyone's just going to be like, ah, shit, you know, we're in for, in for a long round. But if you rope it. People are going to say, "Oh, okay, we're 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 playing with a golfer," and my first tee shot, I roped dead center, right on the corner. It was a dog leg right. It was it's a gorgeous hole. I ended up going the first three holes. I went par, birdie, par. Then the fourth hole, which is a very long par five, it was six hundred and something yard par five. I ended up parring that. And then it just kind of fell apart a little bit from there. But we rebounded and got the 83. But the bottom line of the story, which I don't know how we got to talking about uh, my wonderful first round at Beth Page, was by the fourth, by the 15th hole, 15th hole, I was dead. I was dead. It was hot. My back was killing me from walking, you know, four and a half hours with, with you know, the golf bag on your back. And, and Adam, I assume, Mr., you know, you know nothing about golf, but you do know how, how – heavy that bag would be i would assume. no trust me i've had to carry i've had a caddy for my dad oh then you would then you would know it's, you would know how heavy that bag is it is hell yes it is so now you're walking with that bag on your back right and you're getting back to the other side and you're realizing because the way beth page is set up is you have the first hole which is on one side of the road and then you go underneath the tunnel, and basically the entire course is on the opposite side of, of Round Swamp Road. And you cross back over for 16, 17, and 18. And you're basically, you're, you're done. You're done once you get to 16. And then you realize you have, base, pretty much, you have like a 45-degree angle that you have to walk up just to get to the green. And when I, t- when I tell you that... No, wait, I'm sorry. It's 15. 15 is the hole because it goes 15, 16, 17, par 3, and then 18, the par 4 going back. So the 15th hole was terrible. And I remember we got to the eight, we got to the 18th green there, Mr. Caster, and I made my putt for par on the last hole. It was a 25-footer. I collapsed on the green. I don't, I don't remember anything from after that point. I don't blame you. I would be it wasn't like I was unconscious or anything. It was just I was that exhausted 
mentally and physically that I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, it would take me a lot just to like go there at three at three thirty in the morning and then play four hours of golf. The only thing that I could vividly remember from that day is that night I got the best night's sleep of my life. Yeah. Just because I was that exhausted. But that is the uh, that is the Beth Page story. I have no idea how we got talking about Beth Page. We talked about handicaps. Oh, we were talking about the match, the match part two, and then we talked about golf. Yeah, um, and then you just went into the whole spiel talking about your handicap, and then yes, well, talking I, about your I, experience at Beth Page Black. I really hope that everyone enjoyed that humble brag. Um, what else are we talking about? <laughs> I mean, this is this is probably the surefire way to make to get my dad to listen to this podcast, where we just went into like a ten minute tangent about golf, Mister Caster. And I don't talk about you, Adam. I'm talking about the real Mister Caster, Mister Caster. Please like and subscribe this bot to this, to this podcast, pretty please. Oh my god! All right, next news and notes story is talking about the American Hockey League, and just I guess it would be well when the show is coming out. It will be yesterday, but as of time of recording, it will be this morning. The AHL has canceled its season, the remainder of the season, because understandably they believe it will not be feasible to finish the season. And frankly, it will be worth watching what happens to the AHL in the future because you know the AHL doesn't have the huge... TV contracts that the uh, that the big leagues do. So I think kind of like our conversation that we had about lower league football in England, a lot of those smaller town league uh, teams, they depend on gate receipts more than anything. And plus it's minor league hockey as well. So, I mean, even then the margins are pretty slim because unless you live there, you don't really want to go see minor league hockey. And... So hopefully the the AHL can come out of this. Were it not none the worse for wear, I think I, I hope I said that uh, that right. Yeah, I mean the the AHL being canceled. I mean it's it's not a surprise considering again, like you said, Adam, it's not it's not a major league in any way. So it's not like you know we're not talking about the NHL being canceled in the NBA where they have that big time TV dollars that are backing them up. Where there's sort of, I don't want to say there's a pressure to play, but there definitely is a pressure to play. But um, with the AHL being canceled, it, it definitely takes a lot of uh, a lot of potential revenue out of the hands of these AHL clubs that are so dependent on it. And there are a lot of questions right now in regards to the AHL about where does this, where does the league really stand? You know, is there a way back from this without potentially the NHL needing to come in and, and, and save their developmental league. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a devastating blow for the AHL for sure. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can come back and, and give their uh, give these developmental prospects of all these NHL teams uh, places to play because really if there's no AHL, the options are limited for these, uh, for these prospects. You know, you're really facing – these kids having to go and play in college ball or even having to go and play in something and stick in juniors or even with these veteran players that are on two-way contracts and they're not necessarily playing in the NHL, but they have that that up-down ability between the uh, NHL and the AHL with those two-way contracts where they can you know be put through to these AHL affiliates without having to go through waivers. You know They're facing the real prospect now of having to go and play 
in leagues like the KHL and the Swiss League and, and all that because there's no developmental league for uh, for them to go and play while they are not on their NHL contract. So it's a terrible look for uh, for the AHL. It's to no fault of their own due to this uh, this pandemic, but it definitely it definitely sucks. And hopefully uh, hopefully the AHL will be able to uh, find its way back uh, sooner rather than later because it re- the the NHL is very dependent on the AHL and these NHL teams are very very dependent on having a deep farm system, a deep prospect pool where these players can be attached to these organizations in some way, somehow, where when these organizations do need them, they're able to call them up. And, you know, we don't know we don't know what's going to happen if there is no AHL and how will these uh, these teams be able to field these, uh, these 23-man uh, rosters like they have. And if there's an injury, you don't know what's going to happen. So perhaps you see a roster expansion of some sort where these teams are able to field you know, 28 to 30 players in their roster to make sure that they are completely covered in instances of of injuries and things like that. But, you know, you don't really want to have your uh, your first-round pick or, or your, you know, something like that, first overall pick, you know, sitting. You know, you really want him playing or you want, you know, second, third-round pick. You know, you want them, you know, really playing at, at high competition. So uh, it definitely is not a good look. But like I said, hopefully the AHL can uh, – can get back on its feet eventually i mean not to well two things one not to shift this into the into the perspective of the teams that we uh the team that we root for but isn't it just fitting that the one time the rangers have like one of the best farm systems in the league the ahl is in danger of shutting down very fitting yes and second you also want to think about players who like veterans who maybe not are not good enough for the uh, nhl anymore but are still finding a way to make that income I mean, one major, one person I can really think of, I don't think he's on, he's uh, contracted with them anymore, but Matt Bolesky, for the longest time, well, once he was traded to the Rangers in the Rick Nash trade, he was like a key contributor for the Hartford Wolfpack in the AHL. And, you know, he may not enjoy it necessarily, but it's nice to have that veteran presence in the uh, developmental leagues. And plus, you know, it's also just giving out contracts and playing time to players that really need it. And honestly, that's why I think, like, the the NFL could really use a minor league because you have I – mean, you hear so many players where it's like if you're – if nobody signs you in, in the NFL, then it's like, okay, so I guess I'm going to sell insurance or keep working out, run for government on a – try to get into broadcasting so it's nice to have options for players if if you are like a uh an in-betweener like you're not you're too good for the minor leagues but you're not good enough for the major leagues so uh yeah and the last thing i want to talk about or we want to talk about is the premier league and we talk about the premier league a fair amount because that is what that's what's going on and the premier league is very important to a lot of people including both of us and it's looking like that they could be starting in 20 days from now on june 1st i guess 22 days from now on june 1st with no fans the uh the uk has granted them permission to do that and the premier league is hell-bent on finishing their season which doesn't really make a lot of sense 
to me. I don't know about you, Bird, but at least from a safety perspective, from, from a financial perspective, of course it makes sense to finish their season. They want that sweet, sweet TV money. And they want to uh, cover their ass for all their ridiculous spending over the years. And yeah, even though there's no fans in the stands, like England is not doing great as far as the uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So if the as long as the the testing and the monitoring is as rigorous as the Premier League thinks that it's going to be, then it should be fine. But I don't know if those ideal conditions can really be met especially since there is a shortage of tests, especially in America. I don't know what the situation is like in England. What are your thoughts, Bird? Uh, they're making a huge mistake. Um, yeah. I- I've been a staunch supporter that they should be canceling the season. I understand that there's too much financially on the line for a lot of these clubs, but at the same time, the, the day, the day that the Premier League and the FA announces that the UK government has given them the opportunity to go out and finish the season if they do choose to do so on June 1st. More news came out that a third player from Brighton tested positive for Corona. Yeah. For COVID-19. Same day. We also forget that on the day that the Premier League and the FA were hell-bent on continuing the season and they said that the season would not be stopped three hours later they announced arsenal had announced that mikel arteta their manager had been diagnosed with covid19 he was the first member of a premier league team player staffer coach to be diagnosed with with covid and then later about a day later is when the premier league you know stepped in and made the sensible decision to to postpone the season for now. Again, I've I've said this a thousand times on this on this on this podcast. I'll say it again. I understand there's too much financially in the line where they cannot just cancel the season outright. But at the same time, you look at what other governments are doing. You look at what the Dutch government has done in terms of banning all public gatherings altogether. Same thing in France, where the government has gone and been on record and saying that there are going to be no public sporting events for at least a year where uh, crowds are concerned, no large gatherings, same thing there. I don't know what makes the UK so much different when they have almost 300,000 confirmed cases in the country and they're going to go about and they're going to say that it's safe to go and play Premier League football. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, this is this is a systemic problem that goes from the top of the government, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, all the way down to the Chiefs of the FA and each individual member of the boards of each club that someone has not had the guile to come out and say, no, this is ridiculous. And there have been clubs that have, but in terms of you're looking for one of the big-time clubs to come out and say, no, we are not playing. And the second that someone does do that, then the FA will have a change of stance on this. But I think for the safety of all players involved, I think for the safety of staff, and I think for the safety of communities as well. You cannot go and finish this season. You, you you just can't do it. And I've been a big proponent in saying as well that, you know, I, I've I've said a lot of things on this show that pertains to my overall um, dislike of Liverpool. They are the champions. They deserve to be the champions. They should win the title. 
Now, will it be abbreviated? Yes. Will they take flack for it? Of course they will. But they should be crowned champions. They are the best team in the country by a mile. They are the best team in the Premier League by a country mile. They deserve to win the league. You give them the league. You don't have any teams that are relegated. It's unfortunate for the teams in the championship, like West Brom and Leeds, that have worked so hard to potentially gain promotion. But it's the only fair way to do it, where you you have to make sure that there's a fairness that's involved. And this is the only fair way to do it. Well, I think, the, like you said, the only way really for the Premier League and the FA to listen up is for at least half, I think, of the big six. You know, Man United, Man City, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea, and Liverpool. For at least, like, I'd say two out of six of the uh, of the top six team and maybe uh, Newcastle once their takeover is uh, fully completed that they're like listen we can't do this there there's no way but the thing is is that the Premier League has had an unsustainable business model for so long I mean why do you think financial fair play was instituted in the first place because what financial fair play it's it's bullshit but it was instituted because clubs were basically running themselves into the ground uh, spending all their money, most of their money on player wages, like overspending on player wages and transfer fees. It's uh, it's ridiculous. And this is kind of like a uh, you reap what you sow sort of deal where the Premier League has gotten away, like Premier League clubs, uh, football clubs in general, have gotten away with ridiculous, extravagant spending, overspending for so long and now something happens where that get that supposedly guaranteed income is no longer guaranteed and now they have to suffer the consequences for it. Yeah. I mean I mean you're hundred percent right and, and I mean while while this is of course, you know, a good sign for those that, you know, enjoy the Premier League, part of the problem is you need to get all these these clubs on board. And I just don't know how you're going to get all the clubs and all of the players on board to a same restart strategy when there are players and there are clubs, players such as Manchester City forward Raheem Sterling, clubs such as Norwich City, Newcastle, and Watford, who have all come out and said they are concerned about any games being being played. They're concerned about player safety. They're concerned about the safety of their staff. They're concerned about safety of anybody that's coming into the stadium in terms of media that's going to be covering these matches for for TV. And they all make fabulous points. You know, how how can anybody ensure the safety of every single person in that stadium when when we don't know we don't know what this is. We don't know if it's airborne. We don't know we know how easily it's spread. Well it is airborne, technically. Well yes, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really, 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 really hope that the Premier League is smarter than I think. Because if this restarts and there are more players that get this, not only are the Chiefs of Premier League clubs in trouble, not only are members of the English FA in trouble that are okaying this restart, but I think every member of, and this is not a political podcast, but I think we can all agree on this, that every member of the British government that is giving okay 
for this to happen should also be in trouble for this because it's very clear that while you have countries like the United States, Spain, um, Germany that are doing a very good job in terms of trying to contain the virus and stop the spread of the virus, many people will say that in the UK, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. And this is another prime example of that where if they okay for this, if they okay this to happen and we see a spike in cases, especially amongst Premier League coaches, players, and staff, it's not a good look for the government that has already been under much, much, much scrutiny when it comes to their handling of the virus, considering considering their prime minister just had the virus and almost died from it. So it's it's not a good look at all. And I hope I hope to God that common sense prevails here, but at the end of the day, money talks. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. One thing I want to say before we stop this or uh, start again with our Mount Rushmore segment is that, I mean, God forbid that a player catches coronavirus after this and God forbid, knock on wood, all the whole bit passes away from coronavirus. Can you imagine? Like, they at that point, they'd have blood on their hands if that was going to happen. 100%. 100% right. Because it's not like this is not the flu. This is not the common cold. People are dying from this. It's Correct. not something to be taken lightly. You, the Boris Johnson almost died from this. How on earth could he be like could he still be like, well, you know, they could they could do it. Does he not even remember that he was in intensive care for days trying when he was recovering from COVID-19? And, I mean, it's not just Mikel Arteta anymore and the players from Brighton. I mean, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne had coronavirus as well, like a couple weeks ago. Correct. So, I mean, it spread pretty quickly. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of this. As, As much as I want to see more soccer in the Premier League, I could just play on FIFA. Like, I don't need to see it in person if we're going to be putting lives at risk for no reason. Adam, I agree with you. I, I agree with everything you just said. And and you and I, we do not agree much when it comes to uh, politics and things of that nature. But this one, we are in full agreement on. Uh, maybe we should record. Uh, keep recording at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> no chance. Because then, <laughs> then we can actually agree on things. No chance (laughs) all right so the next and final segment on our show is another mount rushmore and this is about something that is very interesting we kind of teased it in the last episode we're talking about jerseys i guess not just jerseys it'd be uniforms because it's jerseys uniforms kits whatever you want to call it well it's not just the jersey because the jersey is just the one part it's also like the hat, the socks, the pants, the helmet, whatever. Sure. And I don't think do you do you want to have any limits to uh, like one one per sport. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think we can keep it to one per sport. Um, you want to include soccer kits in it? You absolutely can. Worldwide, uh, but or yeah, yeah. But okay. Well, uh, one one per sport. Okay. So it's not like it's not like you can have two baseball or two hockey or anything like that. Well, yeah, if it was that, I'd have, like, 
four hockey kit, four hockey sweaters in it. As would I. As would I. All right. So I believe I had the first pick last time. So, no, you did not. Oh, I you... had the first pick. I had the first pick last time. So, Adam, you have the first selection. This is this is pretty tough. I am going to pick a cla- – I'm going to do hockey for this one. I'm going to pick a classic hockey sweater, and that is the sweater of my beloved New York Rangers. Ooh, okay. This is a jersey, a sweater, a uniform that I believe is only changed twice – in the entire team's history, where you had the iconic, the iconic diagonal word mark. I think he, at one point it used to say New York, but now it's just as Rangers. And then, like the seven in the late seventies, they changed it to like the Shield logo thing, which was not good. But more or less, the Rangers have had the same jersey throughout their entire his, the same sweaters throughout their entire history, and it, it's it's an iconic look. For a classic team that's been around since since the twenties, since the thirties, and honestly, it's one of those looks that really translates well to to the modern age. Like you really, it's very hard to uh, mess up a Rangers jersey. And plus, their alternates have been amazing too, with the uh, the Statue of Liberty jersey as well as the uh, the Heritage alternate and the uh, Winter Classic jerseys that they've been putting on the lot the this past decade so the new york rangers are my first pick interesting so you're going for a broad jersey selection okay. or like a broadway so, jersey selection i see what you did that very clever yes i was going i'm going for more specific so i'm talking i'm gonna go talk about a specific jersey that i love and i'm gonna take this one before you can take it because it is the most iconic jersey in the history of sports and that is the pinstripes of the New York Yankees. It is iconic. You see the pinstripes, you automatically think New York Yankees. And you look at the, the, the pride and tradition of this franchise when they started wearing the pinstripes in the 1920s. I mean, th- this is the first franchise, too, that had numbers on the back of jerseys. That started, I believe, in 1929 was the first time that... Uh, numbers were on the back of any jersey in any professional sport, but you see the you see the the pinstripes, you see the NY above the uh, above your the left breast. You you know what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the most arguably the most iconic franchise in the history of sports, a 27-time World Series champion, New York Yankees. So that's I'm gonna go. They're gonna be my number one pick. For uh, for my for my baseball, I'm making sure you don't get that one, Mr. Gaster, because I knew you were going to take it, and I was really hoping that you weren't going to take it first overall, because I would have been very, very, very pissed. I would have taken the uh, other New York team that wears pinstripes before Ugh. taking the Yankees. God. The Mets uniforms look better. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. That's just terrible. Um, okay. So I am going to go for a perhaps a controversial choice. Given my allegiance here, um, as you know, Mr. Caster, I am a diehard Rangers fan. I love my Rangers. I will always love my Rangers. However, I don't think they had the best jerseys in the National Hockey League. And maybe we've had this conversation. Maybe we haven't. But there is one sweater that, for me, screams 
tradition. It screams class. It screams elegance. And it screams success. Oh, I think I know what and you're that, talking about. What do you think I'm talking about? Take a guess. Is it the Canadians? It is not the Canadians. They were they were close. They were close. But for me, the red home Chicago Blackhawks jersey, that is one of the best-looking jerseys, sweaters, kits in sports that, that we have to offer. I just love – I love the design of the jersey. I absolutely love the Tomahawks, and I love – Tommy Hawk, who is the mascot for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I know that there is a, That's uh, his name? a massive issue. Yeah, it's his name, Tommy Hawk. That's hilarious. Yeah, and um, I know there's a lot of issue, you know, these days when it comes to uh, you know using Native American, American Indian names um, with uh, sport teams, namely the the Redskins, the Braves, the Indians, the Blackhawks, um, but. The one thing that Chicago Blackhawks have actually done um, a very, very good job of throughout their uh, the history of their franchise is they have done a really wonderful job of working alongside uh, the National Congress of American Indians um, that they've continued to work alongside them in terms of trying to get rid of the stereotype of using the uh, the Indian head logo for their jerseys that they've been very hot and cold with that, but uh, they continue to receive some negative press about it, as do most teams that have some any form of uh, Native American imagery, things like that. Um, but they have they've been up and honest that they have done um, some really good good work with um, Native American and American Indian charities to try and. Uh, spread the awareness of the American Indian and Native American culture. So, um, yeah, I mean, as someone who um, who is proud to say that uh, he is uh, American Indian, has American Indian blood in him, um, I don't find this to be insensitive in any way. I know that there are many people out there that are American Indian and are, and are you know, have American Indian blood, and are more American Indian than I am that will uh, that will go and say that it is, but uh, for me, it, it it isn't. That's just uh, my own personal opinion. But uh, when it comes to the jersey, the the red sweater with the with the black detail and the white numbers is just absolutely absolutely gorgeous. And for me, it's it's my personal it's my personal favorite jersey that there is in sports. It's the Chicago Blackhawks uh, red home sweater. But we're talking about iconic. Yankees, the New York Yankees pinstripes is most iconic, but my personal favorite is the Chicago Blackhawks home sweater. That's what I'm going with. Actually, I wrote a paper on that. Um, I think it was my junior year. I know you did. You told me about it. Yeah. So I wrote a paper about it. Um, The funny thing is, I think the Blackhawks, they have the best use of Native American imagery out of all of them. Because, I mean, the Blackhawks, it's named after a a person. Right. So, um, and I think... Honestly, you didn't mention it, but you know the uh, the the logo, Chief Blackhawk, is hand stitched on the jersey. Yes, by one by one old lady. Yes, so it's a nice touch with that. My second overall pick. Hmm, this is tough. This is uh, this is very tough. I think I'm going to go with baseball for mine. Okay, 
and I'm going to pick a team that is just about as old as the Yankees, and that team is the Chicago Cubs. Mm, okay. They have been on and off with uh, wearing print with wearing pinstripes, actually, because I guess that was the style back in the day. And I think, you know, now they the Cubs jerseys I feel like have looked better than they ever have, even though that like Nike logo on the on the uh, upper left or upper right of the jersey looks ridiculous, but the rest of it looks great. Um, Next to the Yankees, I think the Cubs have one of the more iconic logos in sports where you can easily recognize the big red C with the blue outline. You just know that it's the Cubs. You don't even need to see the bear in it, like the bear logo. You just know. It's the big red C. It's the Cubs. And um, this is a team that plays also in one of the most iconic ballparks in, in American sports in Wrigley Field. So just, it's really fitting that their uniform oozes history just as much as their stadium does. And that's why the Chicago Cubs are my pick. I like it. I like it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the Cubs jersey. So that is a, uh, that's a good pick. I can, I can get behind that. But we are, uh, we are very New York and very Chicago biased there, Mr. Caster. Right off the bat. Well, Chicago does have pretty solid jerseys. I'll say, they I'll do. say that. They do. The Bulls jerseys are really nice, and, and the Bears jerseys are very nice as well. Well, I'll tell you this. For my basketball pick, I'm not going to be going with Chicago. Ooh, okay. Or New York. I have a feeling where you're going with this. Can I take a guess? Sure. Are you going with uh, a team in Los Angeles? I am. Are you going for a team that once fielded greats such as Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson? Yes, I am. Okay, so I, I know the answer. Yes, would you like to solve the puzzle? I will solve the puzzle, Pat. Okay. The Los Angeles Lakers. It is the Lake Show. The Los Angeles do, Lakers. Do, 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 do. I mean, that was the that was the Wheel of Fortune theme when you uh, when you solve the puzzle on Wheel of Fortune. They play do they do the Wheel of Fortune jingle. Yes, they do. That uh, yeah. I mean, inaccurate name aside, there are no lakes in Los Angeles. They used to play in Min- in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So. That aside, we're not talking about team names, we're talking about uniforms here. The Lakers have, I think, if you want to make like a, a Mount Rushmore of just NBA uniforms that are iconic, you have to go with the Lakers, the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Bulls. I think would be a top four for a fair amount of people. Yeah, I'd get behind that. I'd get behind that for sure. And, I mean, the Lakers, one of the rare... The only team in the NBA to wear gold at home. I mean, before the uh, before you can just wear whatever you want at home. The Lakers wore gold at home and purple on the road. They're very unique in that sort of way, and you know that's why they're really they're notable. I mean, winning helps. You know, when you've won the second most championships in NBA history, your uniform has like that little luster on it. I mean, that's why it's cool that it's gold because it's very symbolic of the success over the years of the Los Angeles Lakers and how many great players have got have worn that jersey from Kareem, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant and now LeBron James. It's a symbol of excellence. Yes. I mean there's there's no doubt about it. Man, imagine if I just 
picked the Clippers out of out of nowhere. I would have I would have been on my floor. I would have been hilarious. But no, it's the Lakers. I would have been on my floor. Okay, what's your third pick, Bird? So my third pick, I'm going for one that not many people know about. It is the uh, 1991 to 1993 Arsenal away kit, which is affectionately known simply as the bruised banana. It is bloody gorgeous. And I have one in my closet. I'm looking at it right now. Number seven, David Rocastle. It is simply fucking beautiful. And it is definitely an acquired taste. I will admit that. I know, Adam, if you want to go look that up, you definitely can, just so you can have an idea of what I'm talking about, unless you do know. It is it is something is simply beautiful. It is one of the most iconic uh, soccer kits that has ever been released, and they are absolutely impossible to find. They keep fucking remaking it every ten years. Well, they only they they only remade it for the uh, for the yellow the yellow away kit for uh, for this year, but it's it's not as great. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of it. The original. Is just simply beautiful, and I remember there's an so interview. Weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. I mean, I remember there was an interview that I believe it was it was either Tony Adams or Ian Wright said. I believe it was Tony Adams who was uh, the captain of of Arsenal, it was Mr. Arsenal, one of the greatest Arsenal uh, players that has ever graced uh, the badge for the club. And he said openly, he said, you know, we hated playing in the Bruce Banana. We absolutely hated it, but we played well in it. And as time, you know, went on, they had they had that as their away kit for three seasons. They started to really, you know, love the Bruce Banana and really, you know, get behind it. And now it's become such a cultural phenomenon that you have people from all over, you know, whenever they can find a Bruce Banana kit. They're gonna buy it and they're gonna wear it just because it's it, it is a fashion statement. It is definitely flashy. People are gonna look at you and they're gonna say, "What the hell are you wearing?" But it, it definitely is an attention grabber. And if that's what you're looking for and you're more of a, fa- a flashy sort of dresser, then the bruised banana kit is definitely uh, definitely for you. Uh, but don't buy it if you're if you're gonna rep it in the wrong way because you uh, when you wear it when you wear something with the Arsenal badge on it, you treat that baby with respect. My Last jersey that I'm going with is, and this was a tough one because I'm leaving out a lot of really, really good uniforms, some classic, classic uniforms. I'm leaving out the 49ers. I'm leaving out the Packers. I'm leaving out the Dodgers. I'm leaving, I'm leaving out the Chicago Bulls. Who was The Chicago Bulls, I, I'm not very happy with myself that I'm not putting them uh, in here, I'm not happy that I'm leaving out uh, the Nigeria away kit, the all green away kit that they wore for the World Cup. That was just sexy. The all the England the England kits, the all white. I think it was a very a very classic look. And even and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna bring one out of left field here. The the all black black rugby uniforms for the New Zealand rugby team. Those are some really nice uniforms. Definitely an under the radar one that nobody really talks about, but I have to put them in here because if I didn't, I would be, I, I would be disgraced at myself. And that is 
the Dallas Cowboys home uniforms. Ay, ay, ay. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. I shouldn't be. Are they not classic? They are classic. Are they historical? They are historical. Do they scream success? They do scream attention. Do they scream success? They've had they've had these same jerseys since the 1970s. So they've seen five Super Bowls. That is true. They have. So, you know, you're talking about yeah. Dallas Cowboy greats, Roger Staubach, Trey Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Bob Lilly, uh, Tony Romo, that all wore that jersey. They all wore the white and blue home jerseys with the silver pants. And then, of course, the star on the side of the helmet playing in arguably one of the most iconic uh, venues in sports today, for sure, in uh, AT&T Stadium with, of course, Adam, just say it with me if you want, if you want me to, the hole in the roof. So that way God can watch his team. It it, it, tru- it truly is just absolute poetry if I've ever heard it. But, I mean, their uniforms, those home uniforms, they are absolutely classic, classic, classic uniforms. And, again, you know, there was some real competition for that last spot. Uh, the Chicago Bulls leaving them out is a disgrace on many, many levels. But um, I have my one Chicago entry, and I couldn't just go double-dip and uh, – in Chicago, so uh, I had to go put the Dallas Cowboys in here because I would I would really go to bed tonight. I'm a very very uh, unhappy boy if I did not have the uh, the Cowboys in here. I also thought about putting the um, the Islanders fisherman jersey in here because I think that's just a really just a really great uniform. Really, I think that just re- it really screams just class and sophistication amongst a a, a top class organization. Oh oh, you're being sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm I was being like, sarcastic. Fuck, fuck, fuck the Islanders. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Who who is this person? <laughs> That's one of the worst jerseys that there that there is. God. It's so bad. It's I'm like, this is ridiculous. That jersey's terrible. Were you nervous? I was a little nervous, like, oh god, we really shouldn't record these at eleven o'clock if Bird is about <laughs> to talk uh, say nice things about the Islanders. No, fuck the Islanders. But uh, yeah, I mean those are uh, those are my jerseys. So with my picks, I have the uh, New York Yankees, the pinstripes. I have the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, the red home jerseys, the red home sweaters, the Arsenal Bruce Banana kit from 1991 to 1993, sponsored by Adidas, of course, and the Dallas Cowboys home uniforms, the white with the blue trim and the silver slacks. I was gonna say, I mean, I don't even like I I like the Cowboys sort of. I'm neutral towards the Cowboys, and I still think that that line about the hole in Texas Stadium uh, to be pretentious, just a little. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Just a just whoever, a little. that's just genius. I mean, it is nice that they were able to kind of recreate Texas Stadium when they built AT and T Stadium. No, 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 no. Well, they still have the hole. They have they have the hole, but it's a big ass hole in the roof. Number one and number two, the Cowboys. See, this is my problem with modern sports stadiums, and we can maybe do a, a Mount Rushmore on sports stadiums. Maybe we, maybe we can do that next episode. That's actually a really good one. Um, but, yeah, I look at teams like the Yankees, for example, the Mets. You can make a good example for that. Um, Arsenal, for sure. Uh, the Cowboys, for sure. Uh, you, can make a, you can make a case for maybe the Jets or the Giants. 
Um, you look at any team, really, that's built a new stadium, and modern stadiums just don't have the same feel and the same like vintage vibe as the old stadiums do. Like I know Arsenal, it's been talked about time and time again that the, the true pride and spirit of Arsenal Football Club died when they left Highbury. Uh, Yankee Stadium, when, when the Yankees left there at the end of two, the end of the 2008 season, there are many people that said, you know, the, the Yankees' proud tradition died a little bit when they left the old stadium. The Cowboys, much of the same thing, that while AT&T Stadium is gorgeous, don't get me wrong, the, the same you know vibe and history and tradition that existed at the old Texas Stadium, at the old Cowboys Stadium, it, it went away. It went away when they made that move to, uh, to AT&T Stadium. And you look at, you look at places that you know, have gone really untouched. Uh, Madison Square Garden, before the renovation, was just one of the most... It's one of the most iconic buildings in sports. And I don't know if, if people are saying the same thing still after the renovation. I know people may, may come at me for that. I think it's nice. But for, I'm not saying it's not nice. I'm just saying that, for me, the old Madison Square Garden was more of a... It was more of a place to go versus the new Madison Square Garden where it's a, it's it's glitzy, it's glamorous, it's it's New York, it's modern, I get it. But for me, there's nothing like the old Madison Square Garden. And I, and I think that the Knicks and the Rangers, to an extent the Rangers, definitely the Knicks though, uh, left, their, left their souls at the old Madison Square Garden. But you look at teams that haven't moved and have, are still in their, own, in their own stadiums that, they, that they've been playing in for their existence. The Green Bay Packers, Lambeau Field, Chicago Bears, Soldier Field, the Chicago Cubs, Wrigley. The Boston Red Sox, Fenway, you know, those are classic stadiums that where, you know, you go in there and you're saying to yourself, my shit, you know, these are just classic, classic, classic venues that, you know, in in today's sports climate, you know, it's losing a lot of its, uh, a lot of its touch where, you know, you're, you're, you're trading in old worn out stadiums for new stadiums while the technology is nice, while the upgrades are nice. It's not the same feel, not the same style. And you look at, you know, what Manchester United have with, with Old Trafford. Can I make and, my pick now? I hate, I hate to say this, but with Chelsea, with Chelsea and Stamford Bridge too. But uh, yes, Adam, go ahead, pick. I don't know how we got on that tangent. But God, go ahead. I was, I was, uh, gonna say that I miss, that I wish I was able to go to Main Road, uh, where Man City used to play. But I mean, I was, that was like ten minutes ago, so the moment, the moment <laughs> has passed. <laughs> anyway like bird there were a lot of runners up for my fourth pick of my mount rushmore and i think from my perspective i love uh man city's 2017-18 home kit is one of one of the uh nicer looking kits of the uh premier league era i think well man city's had a lot of nice kits actually uh there was one i think it was in the late 90s or the mid, where it was kind of like a, uh, like a, it's not like a neon blue, but it's like, I think they called it electric blue on the jersey, the brother as the sponsor. It was a very, very 90s kit. I do hmm. enjoy the uh, the kit that we got promoted in from League One. Yes, from League One. I guess it was the third, it was the third division or the second division at that point. Uh, that neon kit 
that they that there were in the oh sec- yeah in the second division playoff final yes 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 that, that that I will say I'm not a fan of the Man City you know kits in general that was a nice one that was definitely a nice one for sure and then I mean also in the Premier League I mean Liverpool of course has a pretty iconic kit I mean it like literally pains my soul to say it, but Man United has a very classic kit oh me over too the years. believe me. Like it Believe me. literally eats away. And then in the U.S. for football, I mean, the Cleveland Browns have, aside from that weird hiatus in 2015, they've had the same uniform for their entire They went existence. through a phase. Yeah, they went through a phase. They went through a phase. Uh, but my pick for you for uniforms... This is the uh, the NFL for this one, and it is it's a tough one. It's very tough. There are a lot of teams that I could have gone with, and you're gonna say the New York Jets. So spit it out. I'm not gonna say the Jets. The Jets do have ni- the Jets really did have nice uniforms back in the day before they. I think the the Super Bowl ones, Super Bowl three, the Super Bowl ones were very nice. They were very yes, nice. I, I will I will concur. I'm gonna pick the other New York team. Wow, really? The Giants have incredible uniforms. You're going to feed into that bullshit. Interesting. What? what there, there is no bullshit. Adam, Adam, you're giving Giants fans fuel. I don't like it. There's no bullshit. The uniforms are really nice. You're giving them fuel, Adam. They're nice. They, they're iconic. They've been the same. They've been the same forever. They, they've, they haven't changed it. Honestly, I would probably say the Jets, but the Jets have like fucked up their uniforms more times than I can count. So, yeah, the New York Giants have an iconic set of, that has stood the test of time. And for an iconic franchise like the Giants, they need a iconic uniform set, and that's what they have there. Hopefully, hopefully you put uh, iconic for the Giants in air quotes. You know what? This is just if I think, I mean, it could go the other way. If you said the Patriots, I'd probably try and choke you through your through my computer screen no i was i wasn't going to say the patriots because i was was not going to say the patriots so 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 we're okay there but you decided to uh to turn heel on me and uh and go pick the uh, the new york giants but hopefully you'll be able to say that the uh, the cowboys uniforms are better looking than the giants don't answer that i'm not not rhetorical. it's rhetorical the bears also we could have mentioned they have great they're yeah yeah for sure yep i even think the uh, if we really want to go you know real rustic how about the old San Diego Charger powder blues? Yeah, those those are very nice. Iconic. Very, I love those. They're nice. they're really really nice. Even the uh, even the Kansas City Chiefs, the uh, the red jerseys. I really I really do like those a lot. The Raiders as well. The Raiders, yeah, very very iconic. The Steelers, yeah, very very iconic. The Bills, very iconic uniforms. Are you really uh, just saying just, the Bills have an iconic uniform? Yeah, I, I I like their uniforms a lot. Yeah, you mean the the most recent ones? No, I'm just I'm saying I'm saying they're with Jim Kelly. Oh, yeah, no, those, I, those, those 90, are cool. Those '90s Bills uniforms were gorgeous. I was okay. I I because my earliest memories of the Bills are those like horrible the the navy blues. Yeah, those are disgusting. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking, I'm talking the uh, the '90s Bills with. Uh, the ones that Jim Kelly wore, the home unis, those were uh, those were very, very, very nice. Can you imagine alternate universe Ed Birdsall 
where the Bills won that game between the Bills and the Cowboys, and you became a Bills fan oh, good for God. your entire life. Hey, you know, hey, you know what? I think about it every now and again, and I say to myself, you know, maybe right now it wouldn't be so much of a bad thing, just because I can only imagine Buffalo Bills fan Ed Birdsall and Josh Allen Ed Birdsall and how much I love Josh Allen. If Ed Birdsall was a Buffalo Bills fan and I had the same amount of love for Josh Allen and Josh Allen was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, at least it would be justified. Like all of your your, your obsession. Because at least he, cause he's your the quarterback of your favorite team. He's my wet dream. Man, I really I really hope somebody doesn't quote that out of context because <laughs> Jesus Christ. Quote it, quote it in whatever context you want. Man, it is too late. It's he, too late for this. He is just wonderful. He is a fantastic quarterback. He's a great human being. And if I was a Bills fan and I saw that they drafted Josh Allen, oh my god, I would have gone absolutely fucking ballistic. I I, yeah. I would have gone f- fucking buck wild, but I'm just try- I'm trying to think here. Uh, moving on from wet dreams. Um, oh god, what other uniforms we uh, we missed here? Um, you, you know you you're gonna call me, you're gonna call me a little crazy. I don't know if it's iconic, but I like the look of it a lot. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the old jerseys, like the Kevin Garnett really era style jerseys. Yeah, I li- I like those a lot. They're not bad. I let, I was gonna think like the Detroit Tigers, of course. Classic, classic, classic look. We talked about the Canadians. Uh, yep, the Maple Leafs. Yes, Maple Leafs, very, very classic. Basically, the entire uh, the Boston, original. The six. Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins. I like, I like their jerseys a lot. Uh, God, God help me. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I, I've always been a big fan of. Uh, of the Flyers unis. I think that they are uh, really, really nice jerseys. You know, Bird, um, actually, you're going to hate me for that. You might hate me for this, but oh boy. I think the, okay. de- the Devils green top, like the, the red and green jerseys that they used to wear, those are really cool. I don't hate you because I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. Ooh, Adam, we may have missed one here that I think any hockey fans that are going to listen to this podcast might really, really hate us for. Okay. The gold L.A. Kings jerseys. Ooh, those are kind of nice. Those were gorgeous. Gold and purple. Those were so freaking gorgeous. It's like they're cosplaying as the Lakers. They're cosplaying as the Lakers. Yep. See, you can quote that out of context, and I'll be fine with that. <laughs> no, I I mean, I have, I have no problem with it. You, you can, yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. I'm trying to think of uh, of some others. There was there was that oh what was the um what was the the old vintage uh coyotes jersey. Oh, it's called the Kachina design. The Kachina, yes, that's it. That's exactly it, the Kachina. That some people love it and some people absolutely hate it. It's very divisive. It is very divisive. Yes, it is. Well, I think it is very, very, very divisive. It's definitely grown on people. Oh, I love it. I love it. One of my—I uh, don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome my bu- or what. It might be, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I believe, is it on Google Podcasts now or is that uh, in the works in the future? It is in the works. Okay, so keep your eyes peeled for when for uh, the date that, that drops. But for right now, you can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to listen to all of our previous episodes and leave us a five-star review. Next week, I believe we will be talking about stadiums. We will be doing a Mount Rushmore for stadiums. So it should be very exciting. Yes, yes and I also want to make a, a small programming note. Um, we are going to be doing the first ever Basement Talk podcast quiz votational. So that is coming soon. We are getting the uh, the guest list together for that. I am going to be your quiz master. And Adam, I believe, is going to be participating in the actual quiz. So it will be a reversal of roles. Won't it be there, Mr. Caster? That's true. I have gotten very comfortable being the quiz master, but I can see. You have, but you know, you know what? You've done such a great job in holding down the fort while uh, this pandemic does its job. So I figure, you know what? I'll reward you, and you'll get to be a part of the uh, the quiz with the uh, guests that we have coming on. I, uh, I right now am about... This is good. By the way, it's also going to be a series. We're going to see how well people like it, and if it continues to do really well, and people really like it, and people are listening to it and enjoying what they're getting out of it, then we'll continue to do them. So, um, yeah, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that, and let us know if you uh, if you like the uh, Basement Talk podcast uh, quiz invitational in uh, in the comments when uh, when that comes out. But I'm thinking we're gonna try and do the first round of that. I'm hoping we get to it potentially next week. If not next week, then in two weeks. So, definitely keep your uh, eyes and ears out for that one. So for my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Bye-bye.